0: You are listening to Prickly and Blooming, brought to you by La Joy Society. And now your hostess, Jessie Browning. Alright, alright, alright. Hey everyone. As I started recording this, I realized oh, I should have brought one of my kids in here. I loved having the kids do the intros with me for a second, but alright we'll just we'll just get this done. It'll just be me. It's fine. Hi. It's Jessie How are you? Good. I'm good too. I've been like thinking about wrapping up the summer. You know, it's we're getting to the last few weeks of our summer break for our children. You know, everyone's doing their like last minute jets out of town for the weekend and stuff like that. You know, we're thinking about school shopping, school supply shopping. I do mine in shifts, by the way, if you want to know, I should do like a whole series of like how to do things with four children. Okay. So I take two kids shopping at once and then I take another two kids shopping at once for clothes. This is the first time we've actually done like a big back to school clothes shopping, but they're at that age where I don't have like, I used to have hand-me-downs, just boxes of (laughs) hand-me-downs. for so many years now it's now we gotta go kind of buy some new clothes for everyone okay so then we have to do a whole separate supply shopping like you know the notebooks and the colored pencils and blah 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 i can't do it's like overwhelming as fuck like i look at these l- sheets and i'm like wait what who has how many boxes of pencils what i can't do that and like the clothes shopping we, got, we gotta do this stuff separate so uh that's that's the phase we're at right now how about everybody else we're just like thinking about going back to school okay let's talk about the show okay have you rated the show have you reviewed the show have you subscribed to the show oh are you part of the email list I send some out occasionally. There was a couple months where I didn't send anything because I was a little too swamped in my day job. I like to call it, you know, our business. But now I'm back on it. Just a little quick. I just let you know like what the episode was. If there's anything else going on with the with the project. Okay, so let's go on with the project right now. Let's talk about that. So we are now on our second week of Texas women. Are you all loving it? I hope you're loving it. Okay, so let's talk like a little bit about it for a second. So why I want to do this is that I'm not from Texas, I live in Texas now, there's a lot wrapped up in the identity of Texans, right? There's so much, like it's just an identity that has so many layers and so much going on and so many stereotypes and so many ideas and so many actual realities and this whole project, I love it because I want to showcase the the layeredness of the Texas identity because what gets projected a lot is, is just kind of a really narrow view of what it like, what it means to be from Texas or live in Texas or, you know, have a Texas identity or any way you get to it. And sharing these personal stories just really helps contextualize the state and how it's a thing, y'all. I mean, what other states, I've, I've talked about this before, what other states have such a thing that Texas does? Not many, you know, California, I guess, you know, but, I'm just New York. New York would be another state that has like a big identity. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm just really excited to record these stories of these women and what they're doing in their lives and just share, just share and make the world, a you know, a more loving place by, by doing that. We have Chelsea this week and Chelsea has so many like parallels. We have so many parallels going in the opposite direction. Like she's from Texas. I moved to England. I'm from New England. I moved to Texas. Like, it's so funny. I really enjoyed talking with her. I loved her story, how she came from a chemical engineering background. Y'all ready to your, like? What's what's the furthest thing you could think of from chemical engineering to what's like the most opposite, right? In her next career path, I'll give you a second to think of like what would be like a real opposite thing. Okay, you got something in your head. Okay, she's now opened a plant-based food company, <laughs> right? so opposite end of the spectrum and i love it i fucking love that dichotomy from chemical engineering to bacon bacon (laughs) and she's in rhode island yeah rhode island the state that she lives in now is the size of the city she's from you know what a what a great story anyway so go ahead sit down go for a walk keep driving whatever you're gonna do and let's go meet chelsea Hi. <laughs> I'm here with Chelsea. So tell me who you are and a little bit, you know, about yourself. Well, I guess I don't know how much you want to get into because we're going to hear like your whole story. But I mean, I guess I do always say like, tell us a little bit about yourself before you're going to tell us a lot bit about yourself.
1: So Chelsea, I am the founder and owner of Smoky Meats, a vegan plant-based food company. We focus <sighs> on uh, smoked and barbecued plant-based meat and we're based out of Providence, Rhode Island. And I have been living in New England for the last three and a half years. And I I moved here from Texas. So everyone who knows my story is like, we have (laughs) flip-flopped.
0: I am from New England and I've been in Texas 20 years. And again, this is like why I'm so excited to focus on Texas women because we were talking before we started recording and I was telling Chelsea about the just the attitudes of people not from Texas about Texas and why I'm so motivated or or that's my motivation I guess we could say to make these Texas edition of the show because there's so much more to the culture and the identity and the state um, of Texas and I'm just so happy to share some of the stories of the women from the state because they're They're badasses. Absolutely. (laughs) Like I've met some of the, you know, most badass women in this state. So I would love to start with, okay, you're from Houston and, okay, start, like you were in high school in Houston and then, okay, let's talk about like the first time you left, I guess would be to go to Philly, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Houston and I had never really been anywhere Um, I was raised by a single parent, and just Mm -hmm. traveling wasn't something we always had an opportunity to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, she absolutely worked very hard to be able (laughs) to do things like Disney vacations and stuff, but I wanted to see what it was like to live somewhere else. So Mm -hmm. I got accepted to school, Drexel in Philly, Mm -hmm. my first time in a typical city type of setting if you've ever Mm -hmm. been to houston lived in houston most of it's like one big suburb so yeah (laughs) (laughs) and people who grow up there don't really spend much time like downtown so at first kind of culture shock was moving to philadelphia great city it really grew on me. into the city yeah Mm -hmm. um so the campus is right downtown so big culture shock at first you know i was not used to city things like subways and taxis and stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) because once again those things are just not common growing up in houston there's no subways whatsoever
0: you know i have to just have a moment i just realized that like when you said that i was like oh yeah there's no subways (laughs) there's there's buses Mm -hmm. there's that sort of public transportation but yeah there are no subways in houston yes and the size of houston though is just it's I mean huge. Is Houston the size of Rhode Island yeah it literally Probably. is yeah the whole state <laughs> is the
1: size of Houston it's yeah. crazy
0: yeah yeah, it's crazy. So
1: that was a big sh- culture shock, but definitely necessary for I think my growth to, to be a more worldly person. Because you know, other countries have you know public transportation systems and places that you can walk to. That's another weird thing. Nobody yeah. walks anywhere no, in yeah. Texas.
0: Nobody walks anywhere, y'all. No, nowhere, nowhere. And you know, I spent a couple of years in college, most of my college, without a without a car. Yeah, you know, I would take the. Pioneer Valley Transit Authority, the PVTA, to school and back and I lived in, you know, 20 miles from my college and I was able to get there and it was very reliable. But on the note, what did you major in?
1: So I studied chemical engineering there is I mean this was a suggestion from my chemistry teacher because I was a nerd about chemistry <laughs> got all <laughs> got all A's and she said you thought about chemical engineering and I think one thing like I like I mentioned uh, growing up in a single parent home, I always thought that, hey, if that's something that is in the cards for me, I want to be able to take care of myself and my family. So um, I wanted to become a chemical engineer. It's one of the highest paid salaries out of school. So I thought that should probably work. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the reasons why I chose Drexel. They have a great engineering program. But all of my professors said, why would you leave Houston to study chemical engineering? Because Chemical plant after oil and gas plant all around Houston, all around Texas. So, yes, yes. So, why did you? I figured if i went to school in texas i thought i would never leave (laughs) that was my (laughs) that was my thinking and i i feel like i might have been right about that it it really needed that like challenging of myself and my perspective growing up in in houston to be comfortable with maybe living somewhere else and i think i think i felt like uh I don't know, swaddled in, in Texas a little bit. I needed some independence from my family and so that I could just grow as a, a person and definitely moving to Philly, definitely uh, getting into engineering, definitely challenged my mindset and being able to do that. And also I wanted to study in a field that was very um, affirming and and challenging as a woman of color there's not many people who study chemical engineering so something I wanted to make sure that I could uh, accomplish and kind of set that milestone for other people who might be looking to get into the field but also so that I can challenge myself and be able to to do that it was it was difficult for anybody who who has studied any type of engineering they'll <laughs> tell you it's a nightmare but the time that you spend doing that was definitely worth it this definitely challenges you.
0: I just assume, and correct me if this is a wrong assumption, were you like if you have a lecture class, if you had a lab, were you the only woman or woman of color?
1: Most of the time I'll put mm-hmm. it I'll put it this way. Um, yeah. okay. <laughs> the international community had a lot more women of color. I was the only mm-hmm. American born woman of color Mm -hmm. in my most of my classes so as far as people to relate to you know usually it was the international kids because there was a lot more diversity as far as gender and other things and people from uh, but I rarely ever ran into any other black people (laughs) ever Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) at school yeah how were the cities how did they feel different you know coming from houston to philly because they're both dynamic cities right that have so much personality like in both of them i would say um what did it what was what was the thing that stood out the most i mean you said like walking and stuff like that yeah
1: so i think the cultures of the two places are couldn't be more opposite so when i moved to philly I think the biggest thing that I noticed was how segregated the city was versus Houston. Like, Houston always gets this reputation, or Texas in general gets this reputation of kind of being uh, racially exclusive or racially biased, but Houston is a very multicultural city. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get any type of cuisine from any country there um, and everybody delivered
0: to you in 20 minutes yes
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely in the best stuff so i think that the culture of the cities and just how like the you know people are kind of on separate sides of town in a way and my husband's from pennsylvania so this was something he experienced too
0: where's he from in pennsylvania
1: he's from uh, harrisburg Pennsylvania, so Central PA. But in in general, I think Houston and, and Philly, they I mean, the cultures, as far as how friendly people are, and we people will talk to you on the streets in Philly but you don't want those people saying hi to you really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but there is that expectation to greet people in Texas you know kind of wave and say hello and be friendly and you know kind of that like rough like New York type of like everybody's real quick real short you know mm-hmm. kind of what you need and what do you need and why now kind of kind of culture yeah. i had to get used uh-huh. to i think the first time my mom came to visit me she was I was ordering a coffee and she said, wow, you were kind of rude to that lady. And she was like, oh, well, she was just as rude to you. So (laughs) she just kind of, (laughs) she's like, oh, I guess that's just how it is here.
0: All these things that you're saying, I've like did it in reverse. Like when I I finished college and I was like, I got to get out of Massachusetts or I'm going to get stuck here my entire life. And so I, I graduated and I moved to Austin with no direction or purpose. And I now... Like, when I first got to Austin, I would be, like, in line at 7-Eleven being like, whoa, why is everybody taking so long? Why are they talking? Just get your taquitos and go, you know? And then after a couple of years, I went to Massachusetts and visited, and I realized I, it was the same situation. I was in a convenience store. And I'm there, and I'm talking, and this woman's name Cindy, and I know. And I'm like, well, I love that dress. And, like, tell me about those earrings. And where did you get that bracelet? Oh, that was from your daughter? How old are you – I turned into, like – that person yeah the chatty I'm southerner, a southerner. <laughs> yes I'm a chatty southerner at heart like I had no idea I had no idea that's what I was like that's what I was chasing was <laughs> and I feel like a stranger in a strange land because of that that stranger uh, like there was a. I mentioned I rode the bus when I was in college there was a gentleman who rode the bus we drove the bus probably morning and afternoon every day probably for Two
1: years never said a word to
0: each other <laughs> I knew who he was I knew his name I knew all these things about
1: him but you just don't talk to strangers it's just it's a completely nope. and that that was probably one of the biggest changes mm-hmm. for me and I think as far as like the people are concerned like once you do get to know people you know people are really really nice in in both places mm-hmm. I would say Texas people Um, I grew up in a suburb, Houston, like I said, it's mostly a suburb, but growing up Mm -hmm. in kind of that smaller community, it's really like king of the hill, kind of, (laughs) like, you know, your neighbors, like uh, people that live on your street, those are the folks you like Mm -hmm. talk to, interact with all the time, and I think one of the main things about moving to to Philly was like losing that kind of safety net and challenging myself. to meet people from different backgrounds, different countries, different dynamics. Pennsylvania as a state is an interesting place just to move to in general because I had never, I didn't know Amish people were still a real thing. (laughs) They had Amish people there. you'll see
0: them in their buggies yeah (laughs) they
1: come to the market and reading terminal and they would sell their their goods and that that was pretty cool and just the history i would say that's one of the the things that i moved to philly for um houston doesn't have like that long kind of history like you have on the northeast so getting to go to a building that's been around since like the 1800s was just so cool to me and the seeing the liberty bell and the history that kind of comes from the foundation of this country it was just super cool
0: as i mentioned my husband is from texas and a long time ago he's gonna be like you always tell this story a long time ago we were talking about like being i don't know in school and he said "But that that year you do texas history i think it's like fourth grade or something you do texas yep. history <laughs> he's like did you do that N- no we didn't have specific history to massachusetts it was u.s history <laughs>
1: Yeah. Like, it
0: was like, the history was the history of the country.
1: Yeah, we, we had that same conversation, my husband and I, and the pledging allegiance to the Texas flag after we did the pledge yeah. of allegiance for the oh, American yeah. flag. Oh, it's insane.
0: Yeah, we don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't do that in Massachusetts. They really no. put
1: that Texas pride, like, Im- embedded in you. And people always say, like, why, you know, how do you know someone's from Texas? They'll tell you kind of as a joke. Yes. <laughs> And it's like because they, they breed us with that from the jump, you know? This is, we hang our flag as high yes. as the American flag, all of that stuff. Yes.
0: Well, and we can tell everybody right now, um, Texas is allowed to fly their flag as high as the American flag because Texas
1: used to be its own country. Yep, for 40 40 years. I don't even know if it was that long. Yeah.
0: They will. Everybody knows that they can fly just as high as the American flag, and they sure do. And it's
1: everywhere. Yeah, it's the only state I've ever lived in where they put the flag absolutely everywhere. It's insane. Everywhere.
0: (laughs) Yes so you did school and then you got to work in the chemical um, you know manufacturing world right like tell us about leaving school
1: yeah so I you know did my college years in Philly and mm-hmm. I decided mm-hmm. I wanted to move back to Houston because you know the job markets for chemical engineers it's it's all in Houston
0: pretty strong there yeah yep. there's
1: all of the major chemical companies oil and gas mm-hmm. is there so you know if you want to have a career in the space it's kind of the place you end up at some point so mm-hmm. I thought I might as well move back. I moved back and kind of got reintroduced to the city as an adult, learning about like being in downtown Houston, which is something you just never do growing up in the suburbs Mm -hmm. there. I really got an appreciation for Houston itself, for Texas in general. It was the first time I went to Dallas and Austin by myself, and San Antonio, Mm -hmm. made trips to Louisiana. My family is... Is Cajun they're from Lafayette Louisiana and my mom's family is from New Orleans so that culture of uh, Louisiana um, Cajun food gumbo jambalaya all that stuff this is what I grew up with and my family is also um, very you know swamp Cajuns you kind of eat what you shoot yeah. kind of culture <laughs> So that's something I just got reintroduced to and grew more of an appreciation for moving back as an adult and going back to some of the places that I loved going to as a child that were still there. There's this uh, tiny little smokehouse in Richmond, Texas, which is just uh, southwest of Houston. And okay. I absolutely loved that place. It was a place I'd go to with my grandma. They had a little pecan stand next door yes. and they make pecan pies. So um, just getting reintroduced to the culture that I grew up with and just having a, a much deeper understanding and appreciation for it. My last name is Prejean and there is a Prejean restaurant in Lafayette, Louisiana. So I went there on a work trip and got to get dinner there. You know they don't give uh, you free food just because your last name is Prejean. So I've tried.
0: Jeez, <laughs> oh, right? How? I mean, why not? Like it's like
1: Smith around there, there. there. So oh,
0: it is. Okay, yeah, they, all right, fine. <laughs> yeah, they'd be giving
1: out a lot of <laughs> a lot
0: of food. Yeah,
1: I think that point in my my life, I really got appreciation for kind Of where I came from, and having trying to get away from it by moving to across the country, um, it was kind of like, you know, what was I really trying to get away from? I, I love where I'm from, I love Texas, I, I love being right next to the Louisiana border and being able to, to make a five-hour drive to New Orleans whenever I want to so all, all of those all of those things are, are kind of Houston's kind of a mesh of a lot of New Orleans culture there's a lot of people that move there after Hurricane Katrina uh, but then it also has its own very strong kind of uh, Texas <laughs> culture as well uh-huh. did you start working in
0: Houston after school did you get a job there? I did,
1: yes. I, I worked in Houston for a bit, just literally a mile from where I went to middle school, which was Oh wow. Which was crazy. So one one thing about Houston is it changes a lot every ten mm-hmm. years or so. So the same area that I went to middle school in was now a luxury condo type of area. So, (laughs) where all of these um, new high rises and stuff were being built. So, I got to see just like a complete transformation while I was away. And also, I think I spent a little bit of time there, but then I got a job in small town Texas, Beaumont, Texas.
0: I have a friend from Beaumont.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's very, very small. Everybody in Houston like, oh, is that where the jail is? Where you're moving to? That was the only thing that anybody <laughs> that knew about the- it. Knew. <laughs> but Beaumont is... It's small, but it's where I met some of my closest friends, I lived there for a year, and once again, just getting introduced to what small town Texas kind of feels like. I was always big city Texas growing up in Houston, so I didn't know that there were places in Texas where you could be 10 minutes away from anything, so. And Beaumont's kind of like that, very close-knit, very small community, which I loved. Everybody there was... Super nice. I mean, once again, you expect small-town Texas, you have this idea in your head about what it might be like. Beaumont has so many different cultures because, again, a lot of chemical industry, so many different types of people move in and out of there. But also, all these people work together to create a community. They live in the same communities. So, you might have different ideas or different beliefs, but at the end of the day, you have a conversation with somebody who is different than you all the time. So, so that's one thing I definitely appreciated about, about living there and just trying to understand a little bit more about uh, a different side of Texas that I'd never seen before. In Texas now
0: I've lived in Austin, which is gigantic. Um, I lived in a town of 1,800 people, Marfa, small town, and I'm like Goldilocks now. I'm in a city of 100,000. <laughs> like It's like I'm, I'm now like in the middle. Found the right size city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It totally feels like Goldilocks. Like, oh, it's really big. Oh, That's pretty small. You know, like, here we are. Yeah. Let's, let's try this out. So... How long did you? Because I'm like, wait, you ended up back in New England though. Yes,
1: <laughs> I I lived in Texas again for about. I had moved back to Houston after living in Beaumont, and I lived there for about I would say three or four years. I met my husband at a taco place in Houston. I was out one night with one of my girlfriends and he was out with one of his friends and he came up to me and asked me to dinner. About a year later we bought a house and about a year after that, um, we thought uh, I got a job offer for an opportunity in Boston, Massachusetts. And I loved the job that I was at, you know, we had bought this house in this lovely part of Houston. and But we always thought, like, you know, if we don't move, we'll always think, what if? You know, that was always something that, that was what kind of challenged me.
0: He's from Pennsylvania, right?
1: He's from Pennsylvania. Um, He he loves Houston, too. But at the same time, it was like, well, Boston seems like a completely different place. You know, what would our lives look like if we lived in New England? Came to visit a couple of times, and, ugh. Ugh, New England just gorgeous. It's just it's just <laughs> beautiful, and once again, absolutely different than Philly. Absolutely different than Houston or anywhere else I'd ever lived or been to. But Boston had the, I would say, more historical feel that I was looking for when I l- moved to Philadelphia. So kind of culture that I wasn't ex- that I hadn't experienced when I lived in Philly. Philly's a little bit of a grimy kind of city, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so, you know, I'd say Boston is like a, a more polished smaller version of Philadelphia. Yeah. So, Yeah, totally.
0: I mean, you could be walking down the street and be like, um, what year is it? You know, of <laughs> other, like just the cobblestone streets, right. still, you know, the buildings around you, um, if you, you can find yourself in the right spot. Right. right.
1: The like historical looking ships as you walk around the harbor. It's gorgeous. Yes. Harbor. Yeah. So you
0: took that job in Boston?
1: Yeah, I, I took a job and it was in a high rise in Boston, um, mm-hmm. seaport area, if anybody's familiar with mm-hmm. it. It's kind of the newer part of Boston. And I, we lived in a, they put us up in an apartment there for six months. So I really got introduced to the city <laughs> and the, yeah, di- the the dynamics of it and, I mean, just a aside from the the fact that the city is gorgeous we got used to just being able to walk to work and being able to commute easier i, di- I didn't actually moved up here without a car so it's yeah, so yeah, yeah that sounds crazy to, to a lot of texas people but i yeah moved up here without a car and i noticed that the culture you know once again very very different from Texas, of course. But the biggest shock, I think, was working in the chemical industry up here. It's a lot less diverse than what I had experienced in Texas. The company that I joined, I think they did a survey and it was about 80% male and about 70% white. So coming into the company, um, so I'm in process safety, which is uh, usually kind of setting safety standards for chemical plants. Uh, making sure they're abiding by the law, basically, when it comes to chemical safety. So I'm here trying to explain to people, you know, this is the way chemical companies are supposed to, you know, make sure you're not going to have any accidents. And it's like, who is this lady trying to tell us what to do? <laughs>
0: right, right, who is she, where is she from? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. All, all of that. Yeah. So it was it was very challenging. And then, you know, I'm pulled in one direction because it's like, why aren't these people doing what they're supposed to do? And then it's like, we're not listening to her. So just very, very frustrating. And also, I think just the fact that chemical manufacturing is not common in the Northeast some of those things right. that everybody just knows is default in Houston, um, people up here just weren't used to.
0: It's a culture in Texas through the entire state. It, I don't know anybody who worked in the industry in Massachusetts, and I can name off a ton here. Yeah, it's not part of...
1: Yeah, Completely different culture, industry. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things we noticed. We also had a, a sticker shot because Boston is ext- way more expensive <gasps> to live in. Oh.
0: Oh. <laughs> it was when I graduated high school in the 90s. I thought I would move to Boston. It was just like I was a, a, a kid that was drawn to that. And even then, I was like, I can't afford an apartment oh. there, you know. And this was in the 90s. I can't even imagine. Yeah,
1: you can get a tiny little place for the price that you can rent a house in Houston. Like, mm-hmm. I could not believe it. And, you know, I think with my, you know, oh, you know, of course an apartment has laundry and a garden tub. That's like default. (laughs) Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Nope. And also
0: air conditioning is not default. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) So I'm coming with that mindset to to Boston, Massachusetts area, and I'm like, holy moly, you want me to pay how much? And I don't even get a washer and dryer in my apartment? I don't think so. No way. Or yep. having to fix up a house after I spent this amount of money on it? No way.
0: I don't think this is a standard down Texas yet either. You have to pay first month, last month, and a security deposit to move into a place.
1: No, that's
0: not. That's not standard in Texas, No, it's just right? a security
1: like, deposit, and yeah. that's
0: it. Right, but in Massachusetts, to get in anywhere, is it still that way? Because that's how it was when I was there. You have to pay a first month rent, a last month's rent, and a security deposit, which is always equal to, at least equal to a month's rent. It was so hard to move anywhere because you needed three times, basically, of your monthly rent
1: expense to get into somewhere new. Yeah, and then we started looking at buying a place and, you know, like I mentioned <laughs> the com- the market is so competitive, but it's also like mm-hmm. for like houses that you probably have to fix up, so I was like no way. So we decided to look across the border in Rhode Island <laughs> where the housing was a, a lot more reasonable, but also uh, there's a train that goes back and forth from Boston to Providence. So we moved to this house um, right near Providence College. It's uh, 10 minutes away from the train station. So I got to be one of those people that lived in one state and worked in another state. Which another <laughs> state.
0: That's amazing. Which, I mean, tell everyone, because there's a lot of people from Texas that listen to the show, the the mileage between Boston and Providence is what?
1: It's about 40 miles, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. That's it, y'all. Yeah. 40 miles. That's it. That's it. <laughs> like, nothing. No. Nothing. And, you can, and there's a high-speed train that would get me there in less than 50 minutes. So... Wow. If we had anything like that in Texas... <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I remember the first time my husband went to new england he actually landed he flew up there the day before i did so he landed in rhode island drove to connecticut picked up like a trailer and then drove from connecticut to my parents house in massachusetts and he was like i've been in three states today and i only drove three hours <laughs> like he was just like <laughs> just yeah. he was such a
1: texan like He was like, this is crazy. Yeah, it would freak me out. I can't believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it was even like people in Boston would be like, wait a minute, you live in Providence? And I'm like, it's only an hour commute. But they like commuting for an hour would be like weird to Boston people. (laughs) Oh,
0: absolutely. I grew up in Western Massachusetts. The state is only this big, you know, and I was 80 miles from Boston and we went once a year because it was a big trip. Yeah. Like, that was a big trip. You got a plan. You got a, you know, like, who has a big deal to go to Boston? (laughs) Maybe, maybe twice a year. And then when I got old enough to drive, I would drive out to Boston. I was so, like, a Texan. I didn't even know it. I would drive to Boston and have dinner with my friends and drive back. And my mom was like, what are you doing? That's so far. And I was like, "Eh, I think I can do it in, like, a little one an hour. It's fun. Listen to one album, you know. It's not a big deal.
1: Yeah, like, driving an hour in Houston was, like, nothing now that i live in you didn't even get anywhere yeah you can you can go and now that i live in rhode island i'm definitely being rhode islandized though it's like 15 mm-hmm. minutes uh oh, it's a little far far
0: <laughs> let's see when did you get like when how long ago was this now that you like bought your house in providence
1: i think 3 years ago probably yeah. next week yeah we've talked a
0: little bit you had a career change correct
1: Yes, so it's, I kind of mentioned the same company that I worked for that was kind of very, very challenging for me. I said, "You know what? i you know I'm not going to make the kind of progress here that I want to make." Um, it's just not set up for somebody like me to be successful, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, and the pandemic hit, and, you know, everybody had time to think a little bit more, you know, being... <laughs> <laughs> About what they really wanted in life. Yeah. Right, and I was asked to do something I just didn't agree with, and I said, you know what, that's it for me. I'm not I'm not doing that, and there has always been a problem place in my heart for starting some kind of food business. Food has always been something that is pivotal for my growth. I mean, each city that I lived in, you know, when I moved to Philly, it was cheesesteaks and mm-hmm. hoagies and the little Red, uh, Reading Terminal Market where the Amish came and, and sold their goods. And in Houston, I mean, Houston is a food city, so I grew up with, mm-hmm. you know, barbecue, and um, Mexican food, Vietnamese food, Cajun food, mm-hmm. Viet-Cajun food, was it, which is the fusion <laughs> yes. of the, of the yes. two, which is fantastic. Yes. So I always wanted to go into food business. I thought about being a chef for a long time. In 2016, I was on a work trip in Florida, of all places. And mm-hmm. on these work trips, um, I have just some downtime sometimes in the evening you know I'm usually by myself so I stumbled upon a person on YouTube just talking about why they decided to go vegan and kind of what type of information led them to that decision and at this time I was a meat eater to the fullest breakfast lunch and dinner very Texan you know you have you have breakfast burritos you have with me, yeah, with me <laughs> yeah. at lunchtime is usually like a barbecue sandwich, and then dinner time is like some sort of like meat and potatoes, like mm-hmm. very, very meat heavy diet. And so, I was watching this extremely incredulous, like, oh, yeah, whatever. I thought nothing could sway me. And then, I actually watched the documentary, I think it was Earthlings, and they kind of okay. talked about, you know. The impact of what meat, the meat industry has on the environment, the treatment of animals. I'm a big animal lover, but if it came between myself and a piece of meat at that time, I don't know, or myself and an animal <laughs> and a piece of meat, I think I would have chosen the meat. But Mm -hmm. it was the impact to the climate that really made me start to think about how can I, in any sort of way, try to reduce the impact of climate change. And my part in that was that I could control was my diet. So I remember going downstairs to breakfast the next morning, and I saw the sausage sitting there that I normally would have grabbed, and I just couldn't do it. Couldn't eat it. Yeah, you
0: were like... And was that it? That was the, from then on?
1: I think it was first, um, I think that was it for beef, and then I gave up chicken, and then slowly transitioned, cutting one thing out of the other. I think people try to go cold turkey, and that works for some people, but even just going back and forth, I think, for a while until you can transition as might work well for others
0: yeah that's probably a wise idea because if you cut it all out then you kind of are are dealing with this like the emotions of feeling um that's what i'm looking for like so limited you know but if you can slowly step it down you know because if you just go cold turkey all of it there's going to be like this emotional component to it i imagine of like sadness and longing and you know and and obviously understanding it with a greater sense but like you kick off that like depravity you know you don't want to kick off your depravity Whatever's you know, right? Yeah, like slowly be like, okay, now, now I'm we're taking chicken out. Okay, now we're gonna, you know, the cheese and then. All, all of yeah,
1: it. so I think one of the things I that helps me out a lot was learning about how to make seitan. It's a Mm -hmm. vegan meat replacement Uh, you can Mm -hmm. you can season it you can fry it you can put it in stir fries all that type of stuff so as far as like that having something that was meat adjacent that wasn't meat that was one of the my go-to's for sure um, Mm -hmm. learning how to cook that and that sausage place I referenced when we first started talking that Mm -hmm. I used to to go to in Texas my mom Mm -hmm. picked up some sausage from there And that was actually the last time that I ate meat. I tried it, Uh, and it just didn't taste at all the same to me anymore. Mm -hmm. I could only think about kind of the animal that came from that. Mm -hmm. So that was the actual last time that I I had meat. (laughs) Uh And that was the ultimate test. (laughs) Yeah, of your
0: beloved place. That's funny. I used to... Vegan was not a thing when I was a vegetarian in the 90s. It's like, I feel like we, you and I are like, <laughs> like when I was in Massachusetts, I was a vegetarian for a long time. And my favorite, I don't know if it's a product that's still around, it's called Fake and Bacon. bacon. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, I would eat that all the time. Oh, always with the Fake and Bacon BLTs. They're so good. I have to watch out for, this is like my own personal, I have to watch out for a lot of um, meat alternatives. I'm celiac, so I can't have wheat or gluten in a lot. Of, that's in a lot of the um, products. But anyway, how has this now, now we're at like a convergence, right? Like, I think you are vegan and then you are taking a step away from the career that you've been at. This was COVID during, right? During COVID? Yeah.
1: During COVID. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. So mm-hmm. on my long train rides to Boston, mm-hmm. one of the things I would think about was what if I created my own vegan meat company? Mm-hmm. One of the things that we do in the summers, being in Rhode Island, we still, you know, Being in Texas for a long time, we'd still grill a lot. Mm -hmm. So I started to grill and smoke my own vegan meat, experimenting with different textures. I wanted to recreate something similar to that sausage that I had growing up, but Mm -hmm. Mm plant-based. So that is one of the products that I decided would be a part of the company business.
0: So cool.
1: So we were actually in Warren, Rhode Island, a small Mm -hmm. city in Rhode Island. Uh, we were in a bookstore, and the ladies who own the bookstore just mentioned that there is a food incubator in Rhode Island called Hope and Maine. They help small businesses start to sell products, teach them how to advertise mm-hmm. it, what type of pricing that you should set it at. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about Rhode Island, it's a very good place for locally grown food. Mm-hmm. It's a very good a good place for for foodies in general um there's the uh food school uh, what's it called there's the the culinary school in downtown providence Mm -hmm. and a lot of chefs johnson and wales yes that 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 come out of there so the food culture in Rhode Island is really great, but everything is local You have to really look Mm -hmm. for a Panera Bread or a Bread Lobster or any of that type of stuff Mm -hmm. So Hope in Maine is one of the places that helps some of these people who are creating products get off the ground So when she told us about this, it was absolutely great This was just before I made the decision to quit my job and I had always been looking into working with them So that gave me that hard push so January of this year, I started to work with the food incubator. I told them about my product. They sounded really excited about it. We started talking about pricing. And that sausage that I created um, and also mm-hmm. uh, vegan bacon is the other thing that I make. Mm-hmm. It's uh, hickory smoked just like we would do in Texas. Those All are right. my two flagship products that we started selling this oh, summer. Yes. Your own and bacon, bacon. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So where are you distributing? How, like... So right now, um, I make uh, products sell them at the Farmer's Market. We're getting into mm-hmm. a local co-op in the next couple of months. So things are moving very quickly. Okay. And and also, there's a big section of Providence that, is, as soon as you come to Providence, they'll tell you about Federal Hill and the Italian influence in Providence. Um, Same thing in Boston, the North End. So I wanted to uh, create something that was kind of a homage to all the things that we've learned about Italian food since I've been here. Because it's not something I grew up with in Texas. So the next product that I'm releasing is an Italian style sausage. Oh, very nice. So hoping to get that into some of the restaurants here, some of the pizza places so right now we're just getting things going, but the conversations about it are absolutely everywhere. It's going really well. It's just right now mm-hmm. trying to make my feet move as fast as as everything yeah. else.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you think that you would get to like? Well, if you're making, I was like, you get to like barbecue, like. Like jackfruit, correct, is one of the largest kind of barbecue replacements?
1: Yeah, people it? usually use jackfruit. I'm not a huge fan of jackfruit. I've only had it once. Mm-hmm. So the good thing about the sausage I make it is it is gluten-free so I mm-hmm. had to make sure I had something for people with a uh, gluten intolerance. Ding! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's me. Yeah, because a lot of times, like, a lot of stuff I eat is, is vegan and Like, you can just if we're going to eliminate, let's just eliminate, you
1: know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Mm -hmm. that's one of the markets I also wanted to cater to, but also just give people something that, you know, vegan food doesn't have to be a sacrifice, you know, and we're in a mixed diet household. My, my husband is not vegan. But if we are eating vegan, I don't want him to feel like he just ate a sad salad, (laughs) you know. You still can put in fresh, you know, ingredients. I always say that it's the herbs that you want. It's the way that the, the food is cooked. I read that salt, fat, acid, heat book.
0: Oh right. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. These are all the components that you need for good food. It doesn't have to come from an animal product or an animal base. Mm-hmm. So that's the principle behind this company, and also wanted to create a space where, I mean, if as we grow making sure that we have an inclusive workspace. I want input from people of all walks of life and and all people to feel respected and validated because a lot of uh, company spaces, a lot of the corporate world, that is the main thing that I hear. Even the, the ladies who are also making products where I am now, they left the corporate world because they got so frustrated with x y and z i don't want that to be the story anymore and if i can create a company that doesn't contribute to that narrative then i consider that a huge win for everybody same
0: <laughs> the the buzzwords buzzwords always make me like roll my eyes but i'm like i'm rolling my eyes right now the culture is very important to me my husband at our business uh, i get it i understand it you know and it's something we hold very 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 dear to our hearts and uh, yep you got to be very intentional Yeah, I think so. You have to speak to your values and everything, you know, quite often. And um, anyway, I, I get it. This is so cool. And I love that you are in Rhode Island doing this. Like, I think that there's such a great exposure like you're not in a barbecue place. You're not in a. I'm assuming that first sausage you make it would be like kind of like a barbecue because you said it was from a barbecue place that you uh, modeled the flavor after, right? Yes, yeah. So
1: mm-hmm. it's all stuff that you can barbecue and grill. Actually, mm-hmm. there's love it. There's a influx of kind of southern e type of restaurants coming up in Rhode Island because mm-hmm. southern mm-hmm. food, southern culture. I mean, absolutely everybody loves it, but not everybody has been exposed mm-hmm. to it. So I'm joining this wave, yeah, so I'm joining this wave of southern type of food. There's another, there's Mm -hmm. barbecue restaurants popping up in New England, Uh, there's Cajun style southern cooking type of restaurants popping up. So right now it's kind of a small section of the food space. Um, But it is becoming more common as Southern culture, Southern food is becoming more ubiquitous everywhere. And as Southerners like myself are moving to other places and introducing people to different Mm -hmm. types of food. Totally, totally. There was
0: one place in Sunderland, Massachusetts when I was growing up called Bub's Barbecue. And that was the only place I ever had like anything close to Texas barbecue before I moved to Texas that had rolls of paper towels on the picnic tables. And, you know, like it was the closest thing. And I've gone back there once since I moved from Texas. And I was like, oh, this was close. But, you know, like they they also sold like wild kind of game stuff. They have ostrich and stuff like that occasionally. But, yeah, that was the only place, the only place I ever saw or
1: ever came across. Um beloved, I don't even know if it's still there. One of the things that um, once I started to talk to to supermarkets about mm-hmm. our product is that I just assumed was something we did because we moved from Texas. We grill all year, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's snowing outside, we'll throw something mm-hmm. on the pit and smoke it. Conversations I've had is like, yeah, people still want to grill things, but they'll have small grills inside or like grilling pans and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. making a barbecue style product is not something that, you know, Rhode Islanders only want three months out of the year. It's something people mm-hmm. might still um, enjoy other parts of the year. If you have that flavor, if you have that intention put into it, people still might pull out a grilling pan and want, just want to do that on a Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, like, uh, vegan or non-meat alternatives are one of the if not the fastest growing like it's called it a section of a
1: grocery store right now. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people are mm-hmm. are going plant-based and just becoming more comfortable with the idea of meat alternatives. Like I said, when I transitioned from uh, being a meat eater to going plant-based, meat alternatives were like my saving grace and something that I could kind of have To not have that same impact to the environment with my diet, but also have something that was similar to what I grew up eating. Uh, A lot of us don't get to choose our diets as kids and what we grow up eating. So um, your palate is trained towards certain textures, certain flavors. So going plant-based for a lot of people and not having those textures and those flavors can be very, very difficult. So I think that... um, plant-based meat alternative is really giving people another way to um, make sure they can be a little bit more sustainable in their lifestyle, try to reduce the impact of uh, the industry has on animals, um, but also still have something that is similar to the things that they grew up eating. Your
0: story is awesome. I love that it's like a Texan in New England, yes. <laughs> Could be, you know, like totally holy, you know, uh, it's wonderful i really hope that this i mean it sounds like it is Is just taking off for you
1: yeah one of the the biggest states to the smallest one of the smallest states i know right
0: <laughs> yeah like this, this the city you came from is probably the size i mean somebody correct me i think it is the size of rhode island yes yes houston right?
1: and rhode island are about the same size mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty size. crazy the thing is, you know, food is a universal type of language. Mm-hmm. It it transcends cultures, and I want vegan food to be able to do that as well. Um, it's not something that's just you know in in the side of the grocery store that nobody ever looks at. It can be brought out and celebrated at your cookouts like any other type of food.
0: <laughs> right. It doesn't have to be the lack. Right. The the like what you're not having is how it's kind of been defined. Right? right. You're not having this, not having that instead of like changing it to be like this is what we're you know, we're having a vegan, you know, bacon or whatever. We're having the vegan sausage, you know, as it stands alone, not we're not having your sausage. Like, I, yeah, you know I'm
1: like, like, like we're having a meal without this, this, this or that. Yes. Like it's this yes. is the what we're bringing to the table. This is something mm-hmm. that we're all having an addition to not not what we're taking away because yeah, i think away from that's why I, I try to to say plant-based is versus vegan because the vegan term is usually focused on what's being taken away which what you don't have e- exactly yeah, right. that's a good point but that's that's a great way to think about it you know just like mm-hmm. transitioning to any other type of diet what are you adding to it instead totally
0: I have two agenda items before we wrap up. One, I want you to let people know where they can find you, you know, to follow your journey. And then two, I have questions, like my fun questions. I feel like let's, why don't you tell people, you know, the name of your company and all of that.
1: Sure. So our company is Smokey Meats. That's smoky without an E. And then M mm-hmm. mm with three M's. And then eats because it sounds like meat when you say it. But when you look, look at it, it's not really meat. So, <laughs> so there's a pun in the name also because we like to have fun. But you can find us on Instagram and uh, SmokyMeats at gmail.com is our email address and smoke- www is our our website. like cool. Are you just doing like wholesale? Um, Yeah, right now, uh, locally in Rhode Island, we're doing uh, sales at the Hope and Main Farmer's Market every other Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And uh, soon to be wholesale and online orders for Rhode Island uh, residents. Very cool. And it's going for This has also been since January, too. Yes. So things are moving super Mm -hmm. duper fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I have one, two, three, four. Yeah, I have five. I have five. I was like, I've cut it down. I used to do 10 questions. I'm cutting it down. This is a short question. It doesn't have to be long or could be short. I don't know. What is your identity as a a Texas woman? Like, what does
1: the, you know, identity of a Texan mean to you? For me, um, definitely growing up in a multicultural space, Mm -hmm. um, a space where Uh, You are always interacting with people whose views might be different than yours, but you still come together and work towards a greater purpose. Um, That's Texas identity to me. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't all have the same background. We don't all have the same identity in terms of where we come from. But Texans have a very strong uh, sense of community, I, I think and we all have that centralized texas identity that kind of never leaves us no matter where we go and even people that move to texas um, that have been there like yourself for a long time that Texas culture gets ingrained to you, and it never leaves you. Amen. And it's and it's great, and it's a it's a shared identity that you can bond with people. Um, I've met people in traveling to France, and they say, "Oh my God, you're from Texas!" And you know, yeah. there's this whole bonding that happens about you know what the culture was like that you grew up with, and just what it means to be a Texan, and it means a lot of different things, but. I think it's uh, having that that pride from where you're from, what where you're from, and where you grew up.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. Let's see. What is the weirdest job you've ever had?
1: I was <laughs> <laughs> trying to pick which was the the weirdest yeah. one. Um, or on
0: like noteworthy, you know. Um.
1: So I worked for a little bit at this uh, t-shirt selling company called Stephen Barry's. Okay. I don't think they even exist anymore. Um, But Uh they sold college t-shirts and then they Uh transitioned to, they sold uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's uh, clothing line for a little bit, which it was so random because they were, I'm pretty sure they were like a t-shirt sweatshirt place and then all of a sudden they were selling like her clothes. But, yes, so that's where I got really good at folding T-shirts, so. <laughs> which is a good... Was that in Houston? Yeah, in Houston at the, yeah. the a mall that's not even open anymore. That was, like, 10, 15 years ago. But, yeah, that was oh, that was the lots of T-shirt folding. I have a couple of food questions, which is pretty uh,
0: relevant to you. So this is a holder from my previous questions, my non-Texas edition questions. Cilantro yes or no yes
1: absolutely everywhere okay. all the time and
0: yep yep i asked that because i you'd be surprised i've been surprised and why i keep i'm gonna keep asking it is so many there are so many people that say no it tastes like soap that whole thing that whole genetic thing yeah that's I'm so fascinated weird. by that isn't it weird it, it, like what other foods are there that taste weird to me <laughs> But fun? You know, yeah, that tastes terrible like, to me.
1: That tastes good to everybody yeah. else, or vice versa. I yeah. will tell you something controversial, uh-huh. and I, I, I'm sure half your listeners are going to be like, Oh my God, I love it. I'm not a peanut butter and chocolate person. I don't do peanut butter and chocolate together. You don't like them together? No, okay. separately. Okay, no peanut butter cups. No peanut butter cups. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the sweetened peanut butter that I don't like because the Justin's cups are okay. Maybe. But yeah. Yeah, I was about to
0: the almond butter. Yes. Do you like the almond butter Justin's ones? Oh,
1: okay. So the peanut butter. But yeah. yeah, there's like uh um, yeah. peanut butter chocolate ice. Taking cream. a stance. No. It's yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. my thing. That's like my uh that's my pineapple that. pizza. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love
0: pineapple pizza. Me too. Okay. The best hundred dollars you've spent recently.
1: Oh, recently, let's see. I would say the Best $100 I spent recently, I I went out, again, uh, Newport, Rhode Island is a very famous part of Rhode Island that if, as soon as you bring been to Rhode Island, people will mention. Um, I went mm-hmm. out to a jewelry store, and I found a little Rhode Island anchor pendant, uh, so that was probably the best $100 that I've spent recently, something to commemorate. My my new home, <laughs> Rhode Island.
0: Yep, yeah, yeah. The homes there, and right
1: in Newport. Yeah, pricey. Ooh, Ooh. Crazy. Ooh. Yeah. The <laughs> mansions. Ooh.
0: <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Every every house. Yeah. Okay, and this last one is totally relevant for the barbecue history. So I'm, as someone who didn't grow up with barbecue, I'm fascinated by the whole you know ritual of the meal, you know kind of thing, and how there's like certain staples at every kind of barbecue restaurant. Do you eat the bread? Like what's say when you you know obviously there's not many vegan barbecue restaurants, maybe you'll be you know you'll you'll head there someday, but like when you you know got your plate and they always give you that white bread,
1: did you eat it? yeah you know, okay, did you make did you like that is a controversial <laughs> question. Uh, I, I know, never thought about I know. it <laughs> uh, okay, so I would say some times because if, If there was a sausage there, I would make a little sausage sandwich, or like Uh a little brisket Uh sandwich. But if I was just having like ribs or something that didn't, that there was like a, not a sandwich that you could make out of it, then no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was very circumstantial. And it depended on if if there was like a good, like yeast roll or something like that, some barbecue places would Mm -hmm. have something like that, Mm -hmm. then yes. Mm -hmm. But plain white bread, usually, yeah. Unless there was, like, a sandwich situation happening. So, very yeah. nuanced question. That,
0: I, love, so, I know. I love it. I'm I so I didn't realize I had those
1: rules people's. until now. Right?
0: I know. Because somebody who, like, I got to barbecue later in life, and I was like, why are we, what is this stack of bread? What is this? What are we doing with yeah. this? And, like, somebody had to tell me, like, you're, you are you kind of are supposed to, like, make a sandwich. And I'm like, what? I'm not going to eat, like, multiple sandwiches. Yeah. Cause <laughs> because they,
1: they, give they give you, like, half of a loaf of, of, of bread. Yes!
0: <laughs> oh. So, and then I'm always I'm always watching. I'm like, are people gonna eat the bread? Or are they gonna give it back? Like, do, uh, like I, yeah. anyway, I'm obsessed with the bread. And what's so funny is I'm still like I can't eat any of the no. bread. So you know, so I'm the one that's like, no, 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 no bread, no bread, no bread. And I'm like, it's I'm I'm not like a woman who doesn't eat bread I i can't eat bread like if you had a gluten-free bread back there i'd eat it anyway yeah
1: yeah i'm sure sure they just throw it on there anyways it. yes <laughs>
0: no or my husband would be like i sit on the side you know because he's he can eat it and he can you know that's a very texas question i know I it. isn't it though i'm fascinated yeah the bread at restaurants
1: yeah <laughs> one of
0: my my favorite there was a place in um brady texas which is the heart of texas i've been there. That, um Mm-hmm. they had a jalapeno cheese bread at this like the uh, barbecue restaurant that not even there anymore and it was oh. oh, all okay. delicious it's like their barbecue yeah jalapeno cheese bread is the fucking best of the barbecue oh my gosh so that's that's the end of my question <laughs> the end of my <laughs> silly questions i just want to say thank you i'm so excited to be doing this this texas edition and like how it's brought me to you know somebody like you which is so fascinating i love that we have so much overlap of New England and Texas, and we're like I loved hearing things, and I'm like, oh, I experienced that the other way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like being a Northerner, <laughs> moving to Texas, and and noticing how you know strangers interact or how they don't interact, and um, we've noticed a lot of the same things.
1: Yeah, the culture um, shock between two places. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I often um, my kids, you know, were all born in Texas, and their fathers, my husband's from Victoria is between Houston and Corpus and I like to say like I came from a different country yeah (laughs) there's different food there's different accents people like look different yeah you know, like when I get on an airplane uh, headed towards Hartford, I can tell. <laughs> you, know?
1: you know exactly where that, you can tell by the people and where that plane's going. Uh-huh. That's so funny. I would mm-hmm. always say that going back to Houston from Philly. Like I know, or uh, I'm in the yep. right spot. This is the Houston crowd. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. So that
0: plane to Hartford looks, has a real look to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, everyone. I'll meet you uh, again here next week, and we'll meet another this woman and hear her story. But thank you so much for your time, Chelsea. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks, everyone.
2: Everything up to this point has led me here, and there's nowhere I'd rather be than to be here. All the things that made no sense. A story that was meant to be. I can finally say I feel at home. I can finally say I love to stay. Chances taken, choices made. Cards left on tables and cards played.